0: Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, I have another cousin. I'm going to do one cousin a week. And with my wife's Italian family, that should put me somewhere in like 2025 before I run out of guests. But on today's show, I have Chuck Waygood. Uh, he is another one of my favorite people in the world. One of the great things about the family that I married into is there's so many amazing uh, role models for me. You know, I've, I'm now without a father, and so I have to look elsewhere to friends and family to... uh to, uh, model myself after, uh, uh you know, w- what, what the ideal man should be. And, and Chuck, Chuck Wagon is definitely an ideal man. So thank you so much for coming in.
1: <laughs> I appreciate
0: that. I always like to the build people words. up and make them yeah. really embarrassed right at the out. <laughs> totally. You did well. So, um, I had Chris Bryan in last week and I don't know, I, I know you started to listen to it. We had some technical difficulties with that whole show coming out, but I'm I'm going to, the problem I have here is I try to do these in the beginning and go to the end, but I end up just jumping around a bunch. Sure. You're going to have to follow me. Uh, you came up in that, uh, regarding the night before he got married and the bar, the liquor bar getting just completely crushed the night before he got married.
1: And he (laughs) was informed. The bill was like, I don't even know. Is this a story your wife knows about, or I'm trying to remember. I wish I had listened to that part of the podcast, but I'll tell you, it's, it's, uh, The last 10 years are a blur, man. Well, you're,
0: you're, you're, you're just such a a rock in this family. You're just, I, 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 I'm sure behind closed doors, you're a monster, but, but (laughs) by all, by all outward appearances, you're just, you know, a solid dude, even kill guy. Um, You know, I, I, really have a lot of respect for you, but I, I, as much as I love you, I know very little about you up until a certain point. So you're, are you from New York originally? Are you from the Northeast originally?
1: Yes, originally originally grew up in New York right outside of New York City. Really? And uh yep. So so what 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 would that be called? Is there a Westchester County? Westchester County. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's made famous by uh well now the Clintons and you know, unfortunately, but I l- literally, I lived on Sleepy Hollow Road. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the Legends of Sleepy oh, Hollow. Of course I have. I look Cran Legends yes. of Is that
0: the actual Sleepy Hollow that's it's, referred to in this story? It's the
1: actual Sleepy Hollow, yes. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yes, yeah, so that was cool.
0: Growing was that up. something you thought of when you were a little kid? Like, was that kind of a cool thing?
1: It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. We actually used to do tours of the different places up there that, that have relevance in, in a lot of the old fables and things like that. Cause a lot of them were written up there in that area. So now you have a brother and two sisters. I have a brother and two sisters. Yes. And two we're, older we're, sisters and a younger brother. Okay. And have you hit 50 yet? I hit 50 in two weeks. Oh my God. Yes. So you got any big plans? The end is near. Um, Angela and I are going to uh, just shelter in place in a hotel and try and relax and Get out of this madness for a couple of days. I know it's such a
0: bummer. Like all these birthdays and all these big life events that are happening. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, well, we're going to go hang out in our backyard for I know. a couple of hours. I had
1: grand plans that were dashed over the last few months. I'm, I well, for sure <laughs> between the Pocono. Well, not only that, but for your work, you try you were
0: traveling a good amount, right? I was.
1: Yeah, I typically travel out to San Francisco once a month. And but- isn't the company out of Italy? The company is based out of SF. Okay. Our founders are Italian and immigrated from uh, Milan to SF back in like uh, 2010. Okay. So there's there's definitely a heavy Italian influence. So trips to home base or San Francisco not to Italy. Correct. Okay.
0: All right. All Correct. right. So growing up in Sleepy Hollow, one of four, uh, what did your
1: parents do? My dad was an attorney. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah, my dad How did was I not uh um, we've probably talked we probably have. It, but there's just so much. We're usually, yeah. I'm
0: usually shit faced when I'm talking to you <laughs> right. and you brought me in some beer. Like, so we're, I had we're started already. Exactly. So that's what happens.
1: So mom was, uh, she was mom, you know, she was a stay at home mom and dad. What is way good. What nationality is way good. It's Scottish, English, and Irish. I love you. So my middle name is Macaulay. Oh my God. I love you. Yes. Yeah. So, and what was
0: your, so your, what was your mom's maiden name? Bose, which is English. All right, so you're just waspy scotchy, very waspy. All right, great. And so, was yours uh, a religious
1: family? Uh, did you Not really. Know? My dad, my dad was raised Protestant, okay. and my mom was very Catholic. My uh, my grandfather on my mother's side actually um, studied to be a priest. He was going to become a priest until he realized that. Um, couldn't have any fun because my grandfather liked to have a lot of fun. Right. So we had a heavy Catholic influence growing up. Sure. My dad never attended, as you could imagine, but we did all the sacraments growing up and But
0: do you have that guilt? Do you have that Catholic guilt don't. burnt into your soul? (laughs) Luckily I don't. Luckily you don't. Yeah, my my
1: wife has plenty of it for both of us. There you go. She's yeah, she can she can
0: (laughs) spread it around. So um your sisters, they're are they quite a bit older than you?
1: They are, let's see my I, don't, next, I don't mean to no that's fine my next oldest right. sister is Carolyn and uh she is 10 years older than me and then the next is Connie no she's eight years older than me and then Connie is ten years older than me so, so we have eight and ten I've always th- theorized that having older sisters is a Great
0: thing uh, at a certain age, but I guess it depends on how much older. Like, you want to be in eighth grade when your sisters are like juniors in high school. Right. Because then all their friends come over and you're cute and they can kind of hang out with you. Oh, I still had my fun. Well, 10 to eight years older, man. They were driving you around to buy beer
1: probably. Oh, well, I I mean, it it was, I I used (laughs) to, I remember. Going in and flirting with my sister's friends when I was, you know, six, seven years old because they're 15, 16 years old. And I'd throw on my suit and walk in there and they would just think I was the cutest thing in the world. You are. are.
0: (laughs) What about what about sports? Were you a football player, baseball player?
1: So I, I grew up my sports growing up were baseball, golf and skiing. Um I actually wanted to be a, an Olympic skier. Oh wow. And so I was I was going down that route and I skied as much as I could in the northeast and my dream was to get a full ride to University of Vermont and then my dad came home my junior year – well actually my sophomore year and said, ah, "We're moving to Florida." Hmm. So those dreams ski were dashed. Ski teams don't yeah. do well in Florida. No.
0: Now were you close enough in Westchester to just drive to a hill somewhere? Or?
1: We did. We we had we had a ski team at the high school uh-huh. and they were pretty good. Um so we would go three times a week to the mountain and then two days a week we would do dry land practice. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't much, but, um, and then on the weekends, you know, you'd go to Vermont or you go to Pennsylvania. My, my parents have a house up in the Poconos. So that's how I actually got into ski racing was going up there on the weekends. So how old were you when you moved down here? Um, I moved down here when I was 15. So right before my junior year, Oh, that's kind of fucked in the middle of high school. How was it? Was that? it was it was tough to start because? What school did you go to down here? I went to Shorecrest Prep down in St. Pete. Okay, yeah. So I, I mean, the thing that was nice about that was it was small. Sure, it was the that same. That was like the rich kid school when I yeah, was over there. Yeah. yeah, and but I lived on the completely other side of town. So I grew up on Park Street out by Treasure Island. Sure. And uh, would drive into school every There's day. There's some nice houses out that way. Oh, no, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. So, but because my dad at the time, when my dad retired from Manhattan and came down to teach at the law school, so he taught at Stetson. So, what years did he teach at Stetson? So we came down in 85. He taught there in 86 to probably 90 okay. and became dean of students, I think in. Eighty nine and probably did that for a couple of years as wow. well. Yeah. What did he teach? Do you remember? Uh, he, my dad was a litigator, so he did a lot trial of trial practice and, and stuff like that. Nice,
0: yeah. nice, nice. So, uh, so that he didn't pass the law bug on to you. No, we had four kids and none of
1: us went. Wrong. None of us did it. It's funny it's my because my dad came home and bitched about it constantly. Well, my, oh, my dad is my dad is a purist, and um, the thing that he hated about practicing law, especially in Manhattan, as you could imagine was the politics of, of the law firm, right? He loved law. He loved practicing law. He hated the law firm. And so he would come home and he'd complain about it. And it was just like, you that know, what? I don't want that to go. That's there. That's all you had to
0: hear. Yeah. Now, how were you as a student in New York and in Florida? Were you a troublemaker? Were uh, you a
1: class clown? Were I had, you a... I had my fun. Yeah. I definitely, um, I never took it too seriously and that's kind of the way I approach life. So I, 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 I probably got by. Right. So I would say I was mediocre at best. Right. Right into college or did you take some time off? I then? went right into college. I actually started at Stetson. Okay. So I DeLand. went to Stetson and Deland yeah. yep, for a year um, and then transferred to the University of Colorado. And, how did that – was uh,
0: that a skiing move or what was – No, actually
1: about? it was it was funny because the deal with my dad – when I graduated high school was I wanted to go to Florida state. Okay. And, uh, my dad said, no, you won't go to Florida state because you won't get any work done there. So he said, you got to go to Stetson. And, uh, I said, okay, I'll go to Stetson, but if I don't like it after a year, can we then consider transfer? He said, sure. So during the course of my freshman year, I actually, you know, at, at Stetson, your pup, your, your, your personal life, your, party life right. is completely revolving around the greek life sure so i uh i rushed a fraternity and during my freshman year the fraternity got thrown off campus oh man my how dad how you to daytona beach 25 exactly. minutes 30 minutes so you've just got every bad oh, influence yeah. in the world well and, and deland i don't know if you've been to deland but deland is nothing except for stetson university yeah and stetson university is nothing in and of itself right. I, I think it's Twenty two hundred kids, the Mad Hatters. Yeah, so it was it was an odd existence sure. living in the land, and uh, it was interesting because when we got thrown off campus, I called my dad and I said, "Dad, what they're charging us with is total bullshit." Oh, so and, you're actually involved in whatever? Oh yeah, it was it was a it was a hazing incident okay. at an offsite, and um, I was two there. People died. The it was not no a big nobody <laughs> died. This kid said that he got beat up, yeah. and I was with him the entire night. Yeah, um, it was the pledge class after me, and so my dad had been part of that fraternity when he went to Stetson oh, wow. back in the fifties. Right. So I called my dad. I said, dad, this is total bullshit. We're getting railroaded. And my dad was at the administration at the law school. So my dad's like, you know what? I'll come up and I'll represent the the fraternity. So my dad came up and represented the fraternity and met with the administration. Right. And he's like, well, he walks into my dorm room after the meeting and he goes, you know what? If you want to transfer, you can transfer. This place is a fucking shithole now. Yeah. And these people are trying to railroad you. I love goes, it. He goes, so you can go wherever you want to. That's badass. Except Florida State. Except, <laughs> so, oh, so I said, okay, if I can't go to Florida State, where can I go? And he said, how about the University of Colorado? And I was like, oh, absolutely. What did he just throw a dart at a map, or how did? Well, he knew he knew that my passion was skiing still, right? And he knew that he kind of took that so away. So he from didn't me.
0: want you to go to FSU because he's afraid you wouldn't get anything done. But right. he sent the skiing fiend the University of Colorado. Right,
1: and I'll tell you, it was the it was the greatest move that I could have ever made. Because it, it completely took me out of an East Coast mindset. yeah. Um, and the only reason I wanted to go to Florida State was because all my buddies from high school went to Florida State. So I would have stayed in that same bubble and had the same influences and the same perspective on life. And going out to Colorado just completely broadened my horizons. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if you think about this, I was there in – I graduated high school in 88. So I was there in – 90 91 92 93 is when I graduated in 93 and at the time I'd never taken a women's studies class I'd never taken American black history classes so I had all that exposure was your family then. conservative liberal moderate Were my they- dad was my dad was a Democrat okay my dad was a pretty staunch Democrat okay um, Again, he he practiced law because he believed in law, There's and he believed in taking care and of constitutional people. law and all right. this kind of stuff. So he he imparted that on us. But growing up, as you can imagine, growing up in Westchester County, and then going to Shortcrest Prep in St. Pete, very very Republican, sure, yeah. very yeah. right side, and and um, so going out to Boulder going back it was, to that. And, yeah. and coming from Stetson I mean Stetson University is a, a Baptist University right so so I went out to Boulder and it was like a hundred from the,
0: the, the duality of Chuck Wega, right you kind of you're like uh you're like a what is it Leonardo DiCaprio and the departed it's like you you spend the weekends in Southie and then you spend the week Totally. In, yeah the, the the high end yeah it was it was cool
1: so uh Colorado uh three years in and out three years, and uh, Did you ski for them. Did you play any sports for them? I didn't play any sports for them. They, okay. they didn't have a baseball team, but okay. I played on the club baseball team for a little bit. Um, skiing there, it's they're the national champion year yeah, after it's year like wrestling in Iowa or something like that. Yeah, and the way they stack that team is, I mean, you're lucky to make it if you're an American, yeah. you got to be like the top junior skier in America to make it because every single person is like Norway, Sweden, yeah. Yeah. Finland. Yeah, so it's just. It's unbelievable. Badass. But, but that, was, that I just have to imagine that was a great three years. It was amazing. I mean, it was cool because I transferred out there with two buddies from from Stetson who were surfers. So we all got into snowboarding when we got out oh, there. Wow. And, uh, How'd you meet Jimmy? Was that later? I met Jimmy after college. So when I graduated college, I came back. I thought I wanted to do hotel and resort management, right? So Restaurant was that your degree management. or? My degree was marketing. Okay. And, uh, so I came back and I ran a restaurant for a year, a restaurant, uh, Ponderosa Steakhouse. Oh, I remember. Yeah, is Good there, old Ponder- is
0: Ponderosa still around.
1: No, they went, they went out as part of the Metro media. Wasn't there one over Bank by State. Tyrone square mall by like yeah. the yep. crossroads theater yeah, the, out there? The, the one I was a manager of was on Fourth street. Okay. <laughs> so what, what was the one that, was, no, that was steak and ale steak and steak and ale. It's all part of the same family. It, really? yeah, it was all Metro media Steakhouse. God. So I did that I've for a year memories, yeah. and realized that I did not want to work, you know, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve stuff like that, which is not only that, doing. but I, you know, I did
0: I did the restaurant deal in college and I did cha cha coconuts the year between uh college and law school and there's just this whole niche and much respect to people who work in that world. I'm not being condescending or denigrating, but it, it it's a whole other type of living. Oh my god. It's you're chasing a high, you're chasing a drunk, you're chasing a you know, it's almost like, did you ever see Taxi Driver? Oh, yeah. You know how, like, Robert De Niro drives around the city in the midnight hours, and he kind of sees life at its grimiest. And, oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, you sleep till three. You work from four to one in the morning. You you fold up all your fucking napkins right. and cl- take your bar stock, and then you go to a bar with your friends and drink till four
1: or five in right. the morning. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, that was, so when I was at, so when I graduated Colorado, I graduated in December, and I got a job with a hotel out in, there in, in Florida in Aspen. Oh man. So I moved to Aspen right after Christmas, right after New Year's, actually. And I moved to Aspen with my little brother. My little brother had just graduated high school. What's your little
0: brother's name? Jim. We're going to talk more about him later. Yeah. yeah go
1: ahead. Um, so my little brother and I moved to Aspen, Colorado. And um, we both worked. So I worked for a hotel, I ran the food and beverage in the hotel, especially the bar. You know, in like the afternoons, right? right? So I would work the afternoons and my brother was a bus boy at Planet Hollywood. And we so- Were guys living together? We yeah. were living together. So we were sharing a room. Sounds amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. And through my job, we got a season pass. So he would use it during the day when I would be working and then the days off, I would use it, right? So we skied a ton, snowboarded a ton. What years would this have been? This was- uh This was January through April of 1993, no, 1994. Okay. Okay. And um, so, yeah, so that life was, I would literally work until two o'clock in the morning, party with friends until probably three. I'd get up at five. I'd run the restaurant in the morning until about noon, go ski for three hours, then go back to work at five and work until two. And that got old after a while. It got old. So So that's when I realized, you know what, this, this shit isn't going to work long-term. And, uh, I actually got a job with a, a recruiting company. Okay. So got a job with a recruiting did, did company. Did they in recruit
0: Tampa. you or did you seek them out or how did that work?
1: I, I actually got introduced to them by a good buddy of mine who was Todd Turner's, okay. uh, good friend, roommate in college. Okay. And he had just started there and he knew that I hated the restaurant business. I had to get out and he's like, come talk to these guys. You'll love it. And uh, it was it was great. I had no idea what it was going to do for my career, but literally, I've been in it ever since. Ever since. So.
0: Now, so so enter Jimmy. What's Jimmy's name? So Jimmy Schimpf. Jimmy Schimpf is he looks he's like a better looking Morrissey. I, every <laughs> time I see him, I tell him he looks just like Mor. I'm going to post on the on the Facebook page, dude. So you get you, gotta get you got to get you got to get Jimmy on here because I got Jimmy, it. I'll, I'll just turn the recorder on, and walk out of the room yeah. for an hour, and he'll just talk. He, oh
1: yeah, and Jimmy Jimmy, you know he's amazing. awesome. Yeah. So it was cool. So I was working at this recruiting firm in Tampa. And uh, they were looking to promote me and actually move me out of Tampa. Right. But they said I couldn't leave until I hired my replacement. Enter Jimmy Schimpf. So Jimmy comes into the office and I sit down with him. Jimmy's fresh out of App State, you know, football player from App State. He was yoked back then. I mean, he was, uh, a he big was dude. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he, he backed up Dexter Coakley yeah. at linebacker at yeah. App State. So Jimmy was Jimmy was bad and he and I just hit it off right away. And I'm like, you're working here. I didn't tell him that I was leaving. Right. So he came in. I trained him. And then I said, brother, I hate to do this to you, but I'm moving to Miami. You're taking over my spot here. And he and I have been friends ever since. So you did. I don't even know that that I knew you moved to Miami. Yeah. So I moved. So I I only worked in Tampa for them for like 10 months. Where does the spa fall in this timeline? Is that later or is that it's later? So I did, you know, 10 months in Tampa with this company called Tech Systems. And then moved to Miami. Right. <clears throat> and we sold South Florida for a while. So I did that for like four years. Now, what market were you recruiting in? Was it it's just- all IT. IT, okay. So I've always been in IT, Okay. you know, software developers, software engineers, okay. network engineers, things like that. Okay. And, uh, which is a good niche to be in. Right, well, um, I mean- it's constantly. Tip changing.
0: of the spearway of yeah, the great. future. I mean, you know, exactly. hopefully it's always on the the edge of where we're going. So <laughs> right. there's it's not gonna be uh outdated or or you know made obsolete. So. Right. Right. All right. So, so you were in Miami
1: for how long? So I was in Miami for four years. How was that? That was awesome. Yeah. It was great. I mean, were you single near South
0: Bay South
1: beach or where were you? I wasn't, I was, I actually lived in Lauderdale. Okay. And uh, so I had buddies that lived in coconut grove. Right. So I would go down there and, and party with them. And uh,
0: I'm so proud of you to have found yourself in all of these potential rabbit holes that you didn't succumb to. <laughs> you could have been a ski rat for the rest totally. of your life. You could have been a South beach guy for the rest oh of my your God, life, yeah. but somehow you pulled your shit together and made it back to Tampa.
1: Well, it's, you know, it's definitely a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you were in Miami for four years. What brought you back? So they actually, so the company promoted me again and moved me to Austin, Texas. So I moved to Austin, Texas, and I was out there for four years. God, and uh, I was working on site at Dell Computers, and it's funny because I was reunited with Jimmy again out there. Right. Um, I was working at, on site at Dell for tech, and uh, one day I get a call from Jimmy, and he's like, "Hey." I'm moving to Austin. I was like, no shit. That's awesome. Great. What are you going to do? I'm going to work at Dell. I'm like, holy shit. That's great. You're going to love it. Great company. Yeah. You know, Austin is Dell. Dell is Austin. And he comes out there. He gets a job. And believe it or not, he turns into a client of mine. For, like, the last 12 months I was there. So you
0: can, like, expense going out drinking with him yeah, or
1: We used to do a lot. Because at the time, you're tech do, systems. You're putting in some good yeah. hours, Yo, Chuck. Man. Doing
0: some marketing. Yo, you're, yeah. really, you're really getting in there with the clients. But I'll tell you, it paid off.
1: I mean, Jimmy and I did a shitload of business together. Yeah. Made a lot of com- a lot of money for, for tech systems. And uh, we learned a lot. And we learned that we could work together, which right. was even better. Because then that led to the spa. Right. So we were in Austin. I don't know if I knew Jimmy was part of that. Jimmy was part of okay. that. So Jimmy and I started building the concept in Austin. So Now,
0: you, just, just to jump for a second. So uh, Chuck's married to my wife's cousin, uh, Angelia, who we affectionately refer to as Wewa. And she is a <laughs> f- superhero. She is a personal trainer, Pilates and instru- I don't even know what I would call her. But, I mean, she trains like half the judges and all the elite in Tampa and all this other yeah. stuff. But... Were you a big fitness guy before you met her or did that kind of happen? Well, the
1: way that? Angelia and I met okay. was I was teaching a fitness class at the YMCA downtown. Okay. The one that she used to make me run up and down the fucking stairs? Yeah, Saturday? Krav Maga. Oh Remember, we used to oh, do that's Krav right. Maga That's again. right. That's right. Yeah. So, we did Krav Maga and so I was teaching like a six o'clock class at the Y. Angelia was teaching the five o'clock class at the Y. So, I'd get there. Just out of water. Each day. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'd see her and, you know, she's all ripped up. and Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, that's okay. okay. So anyways, I, I, I
0: pulled you off focus. So you and Jimmy started working on the plan for the spa when you guys were in Austin. So we
1: were in Austin and at the time it was, it was, uh, 2001. So nine 11 hit right. And great time to open a spa. Well, and it was, but that was the impetus for it because we were both working. I was working for tech systems. He was working for Dell and Dell started going through these layoffs because we hit the downturn. Right and um so it's the first time in history that Dell was having layoffs and they didn't know how to manage it they managed it terribly and it dawned on us that you know what corporate life is kind of bullshit sucks yeah and um you know there's no emphasis on wellness and my sister had built an oracle consulting firm already and spun it off and sold it and had retired And she had gone through the same corporate burnout. Right. So Jimmy and I created this whole wellness concept of spa, fitness, you know, basically taking a destination spa.
0: Yeah.
1: And I said, you know, why do people need to spend thousands of dollars to go away to fix themselves when they should be able to just integrate it into their daily life? Right. So we built a basically a destination spa concept into a day spa, fitness center, wellness center. And that was in Sarasota? It was in Bradenton. Bradenton. And how did you select that location? Um, that was entirely up to my sister. Okay. So my sister lived in Palmetto okay. at the time, lived on the water in Palmetto. And she found this property right on the river, right on the Manatee River. And it was it was beautiful. So, But it was interesting because when we packed up in Austin, the concept evolved from just leasing a facility and building it out to, and this was during the time that we were driving home. Yeah. She put money down on a lot and then we went into full construction mode. So it changed from just building out a spa to building a spa from the ground up. And it evolved into a whole fit and not, not just the spa, but it was a 45,000 square foot retail Jesus. space as well. So my brother-in-law, built a bar and restaurant on the top floor. We had the 27,000 square foot spa in there. And then we had retail down. And how long did that exist for the whole thing? Well, it took us two years to build. Right. um, And we did it at probably one of the most difficult times in history. And unfortunately um, the way we financed it was looking back was terrible. Right. Right. Um, My sister, unfortunately, lost a lot of her it money in the bubble burst right um and that was what was supposed to fund the spa right and so what she started to do is she started to take out loans mortgages on the property as we were building it right and um then 2008 hit yeah and everything collapsed so it ran it ran for about Probably three years. It was like a family enterprise, wasn't it? Yeah. Like your brother, your sister, you. Well, yeah. So my sister, my two sisters and I, because my other sister, Connie, the oldest, is a Pilates guru and yoga guru. So she came and worked at the spa. And then Jimmy and I worked at the spa. My sister worked at the spa. My brother-in-law started the smoking martini, which was the bar and restaurant right. upstairs. My brother went to work for him as a bartender. So yeah. So everybody was pretty much engaged in that concept. And when the shit hit the fan, it was one of the most difficult times of my life. Is that, and, and you and Jimmy went back into recruiting at that time, right? Jimmy did not. Okay. I did. So Jimmy actually, that's when Jimmy started his, his opportunity at Ox Singer, company. Yeah, yeah. So he does direct mail right. marketing. And um, he's done phenomenal things with that. He had a
0: a dark few years there, but he's turned it around. Oh, yeah. I mean – and, and then he's expanded upon it. So it's – Is it's, he still living in the same house that they were in over there yep. in South Tampa? Yep, still in South it, Tampa. It's been a minute since I've seen him and his yep. wife. And they have two kids now, right? They have two little kids, yeah. Wow, yeah. Jimmy's amazing. I just I, – this, this is by no means the first time I met you, but I remember back in the day before we all had kids when we used to do Gasparilla. I just remember going to Derek's house on Bay to Bay. Oh, yeah. And it was you, uh, Boruta, who <laughs> right. I took the Kaplan uh, LSAT prep course <laughs> oh, Did with. You realize- Really? Yeah, I remember he was like – he would go to Subway, buy a sub, eat all the meat out of it, and then try and get <laughs> someone else to like eat the bread and the cheese and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Anybody want this? Because he was always like drinking gallons of water yeah. and doing all Scott this shit. Yeah, Scott and eat carbs. Yeah, and, uh, and then uh, his then wife. Pamela. Um, yeah, and I think Nicole, Bruce was, yep. was part of that crew, and then Jimmy and his wife, you. There's just this crew of – Attractive, fit people coming yeah. in. And then I was in the corner eating chicken wings and fucking <laughs> just grinding my teeth. But uh, so what year was it that you met
1: Wewa? So let's see. So I moved back from Austin in uh, 2002, early 2002. I met her in 2003. Okay.
0: I remember your wedding. What was it? What was the venue of your wedding? That was such a amazing, oh, amazing, amazing wedding. Yeah, it was a great day. Um, the Ringling Museum down in Sarasota. That's right. That's right. And you guys had cigar rollers, and you had yeah. We went. What all wasn't on. the cherry pop and dad? Who was the band that was the? the you had the band that God. they were well known at the time. When I was a bartender at Ch- Cha Cha, they played there constantly I'm, back when. Swing music that guy's still around I see him on Is Facebook. he really? Yeah the guy with the top hat. yeah oh, they were amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah great band. it's great that was just oh, it was amazing. great it was black
1: tie it was a nighttime wedding yeah uh, we had the whole ringling you know courtyard museum area it was just it was amazing. had your brother been hurt? Yeah, my brother that, that, had already hurt so so, so let's the, talk about your brother if we yeah. can for a minute so when the spa went south um it, it got bad quick. And both businesses were in trouble—the spa, as well as the, the the bar and restaurant. I was running the spa at the time. Jimmy had already left. Yeah, so I was running it. My sister wasn't talking to me anymore. Um, well, she blame you for something? Well, so we were trying to figure out a bailout plan sure. for the spa. Yeah, uh, and she the only a bunch of well, or no, or the only way that we could get so we got an offer right from a from a, a an equity team up in New York and we were on a conference call and it was my dad and I, cause my dad obviously is, is yeah. engaged in all that stuff with us. So it was my dad and I and my sister, uh, and Jimmy, and we've got the, on the speaker phone, we've got this equity player up in New York. And he said, you know what? I love it. I love the property. I love your concept. He goes, but the only way I can do it, Mr. Waygood talking to my dad is if you PG the whole thing, if you personally guarantee the whole loan. Uh-huh. And so the loan was a $6 million loan. Ooh. And my dad was 70 yeah. at the time, yeah. right? Already retired. Right. And so my dad said, okay, well, let me, let me talk to the family and we'll get back to you. So he hits end and he looks at my sister and he says, Linny, what are we going to do? And she goes down this whole thing. Oh, we got to do it. This is the only hope we have. We got to save the business, you know, go, go for it. And he says, okay. And he looks at me and he goes, Chuck, what do you think? And I said, dad, you'd be fucking crazy to do that. Yeah. I said, I will not let you and mom. Encumber yourself, yeah. Encumber yourself and roll the dice with your entire. Well, call me retirement. stupid,
0: but do you have? Don't you have to have that amount in equity just to back that?
1: Um, it was fuzzy back yeah. then. Yeah, there was, well, yeah this, I mean that was this was
0: before two thousand and eight. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was at the height of, of you creative know
0: creative lending. Yeah, to, yeah.
1: I mean, you didn't have to have sure. any
0: equity to loans yeah. back then. So. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, But I mean, the, the business so that, we were so, doing. So then you became enemy number one. Right. Enemy so immediately she that.
1: stopped talking to me right then.
0: OK, but that's that's blown over since. How yeah, that, so that's okay. that's
1: good now. Okay. So but, I, you know, I knew that, OK, I can't I can't work every day next to my sister and not have her talk to me. So I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I got to I got to extract myself from the situation. He goes, do what you got to do. I'll back you up on it. And uh, so I sounds like an amazing man. My dad was amazing. Right, we're going to talk about I him could in do a whole too. podcast. Well, we're, dad, we're going but, to talk about him in a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, so go ahead. So um, so I said, all right, I'm going to recruit my replacement. So I recruited a guy to come in and, and manage the day to day of the spa. And I quit. And when I quit, my brother's like, well, if you're not going to be in the building, I'm not going to be in the building. So he quit at the same time. So we both planned on. So our last day at the business was Memorial Day of like 2005, right? And so the plan was take the month of June off and then look for another job. Well, at the same time, Angelia was transitioning from being a teacher. Right. And so I said, babe, you know, let's you and I take the month of June and just travel together. Yeah. And so we put this whole itinerary together and we traveled out West. Well, my brother traveled up the East Coast and uh, my brother's a huge we're, we're, we were born on motorcycles yeah. my dad literally as soon as you got the training wheels off your bike when you were little he would put you on a little motorcycle dirt so, bikes or dirt like, bikes. like road bikes okay well he would start on a dirt bike but we all had road bikes yeah. at the time i had a harley my brother had a crotch rocket yeah. my sister had a chief an indian chief yeah. you know so the whole family my dad's got motorcycles so long story short My brother takes off on his trip. I take off on our, you know, Angelia and I take off on our trip. About five days into our trip, uh, I get a call from my dad. And he said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're driving right now to Park City. We're going to go, you know, do some mountain biking. He goes, pull over. I was like, oh, shit. So I pull over. I go, what's going on? And he goes, your brother was in a motorcycle accident. I'm like, oh, my God. And my brother, you know, growing up, my brother's five years younger than me. And uh, my brother, I apologize if I could. No, it's OK. Choked up talking about it. But um, so my brother was always my best friend growing up. And uh, so it hit me really hard. I said, how's he doing? And he said, they've got him in a drug induced coma because he's broken like 30 different bones. I was like, oh, my God. I said, dad, I'm flying home right now. He goes, no, you're not. He goes, your brother would not want you to end your trip. And there's nothing you can do. Mom and I are on our way up to Tennessee right now. And you stay, you and Angelia stay on your trip and enjoy yourselves. And I will keep you in the loop with everything that's going on. So fast forward, long story short, my brother in that accident, he hit a bridge going about 50 miles an hour. And uh, he had gotten thrown over the handlebars of his bike. So when he hit the bridge, the foundation of the bridge, he hit it with the crown of his helmet. Oh, God. And uh, so it broke his neck. It broke his back. It broke and and then on top of it, then the bike careened in and slammed him back into them. the bridge. Jesus. So he had trauma on the back and the front of oh his body, and um, so they had to keep him in a drug induced coma for about a week while they operated on him. And uh, so this is 2005. Okay, um, my brother's still alive, and uh, he is a paraplegic, so he's in a wheelchair. Who's uh, the guy that lives with him? Ian Foss. What a what a saintly guy. It, I mean, that's that's a whole that's a whole other. Yeah, but I mean, I, mean I, I I
0: I don't know how aware I was of him until this past <laughs> COVID yeah. period that we kind of kind of cohabitated yes. within a certain. He right. it just <laughs> it's such a laid back, cool dude, and I I didn't even know who he was at first, and then you told me, I was like. That's just beautiful. So, so, yep. I mean, you could explain it, but basically now, did, was he a friend of your brother's or how did, how did, how did, how did Yeah, So
1: Ian, picture? Ian was my brother's best friend okay. from growing up, up in New York. So right. before we moved out of New York, Ian was my brother's best friend and, and they just, they stayed in touch. My brother went back up and graduated from high school in New York at the same high school and they just remained best friends. And so when my brother had the accident, Ian literally quit his job in New York And move to Florida to move in with my brother. So,
0: you know, we live in a world with so much shit and Uh, so much ugliness and so much just awful – just awfulness. But what keeps me going are these little – rays of beauty that peek through the clouds and and that that has got to be i mean this guy just uproots himself from new york moves down here and lives as your brother and just fucking they they're they're friends but he takes care of him, and it's absolutely such a selfless you know amazing act i just the fact that that exists is what gives me hope that there's <laughs> something else than just the bullshit right you know, you know? Right. anyway so shout out to ian he's a he's a badass hey, i Ian's think badass. i think that's that rock so yeah, i love him like a brother you say so your brother is you know as well as he can be under the circumstances Does he work? like yeah. what, how does he feel uh, i
1: mean he's he's pretty independent living wise i mean he lives in his own house with my with ian and um you know, he can't work because he's in constant pain. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything like yeah, it. Is he on disability? Or? He's on disability. Okay. So that keeps him going. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, he just, he, he, and it's interesting, you know, this whole COVID thing. Um, it's been a, it's been a blessing and a curse, right. um, but it's, he has completely sheltered in place. As you can imagine, he doesn't go out much anyway. Right. So he's been spending a ton of time with my mom. Oh. So my mom, this is the first time my mom's been alone in her entire life. And, um, you know, so my brother's been going over there like three or four days a week. So.
0: so that kind of transitions us into the next thing that I wanted
1: to talk to you about. So you lost your father recently. Yeah, we, I, we, we lost dad on uh, December 18th of last year in 2019.
0: And, you know, if you're listening to this show already, you can tell what a pillar of the family he must have been, and it's it's funny, you know. You you gave me a couple different examples there between the spa, what happened with your brother, uh, what happened with you at Stetson, where every time he kind of entered the picture as kind of the 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 stabilizing force, and that is such such a aspect of you that I love. So what's great to me is, although I don't know your father, I see him in you and the way that you've been in this family, the way that you've been, you know, we've, I talked with Chris a little bit about the passing of little normie, you know, when he committed suicide and, you know, you, you very much are a extension of your father. And although I don't know him, I mean, that's, yeah, he passed that on to you. I got to tell you, I mean, that's the greatest compliment you could get. Well, Good, good. Cause I appreciate that. Thank you. So, um, we have both lost parents recently. I lost my dad in 2018. I lost my mom in 2019. I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, it's, it's a strange thing. Now, you were one of four. I was an only child. My parents were – I always considered them to be older parents. So my dad was 38 years old when he had me. Wow. And most of my friends' fathers were probably in their mid-20s when they had me. And I loved my dad. I loved that he was older. He was always kind of the wise, scholarly Guy, but every other kid's dad was out playing in the park with them. Right. My dad was like, you know, couldn't give a shit less about it. <laughs> but one of the weird kind of side effects of having, of number one, being an only child, number two, having older parents, and then you know, I've talked a lot on the show about both of my parents were alcoholics. Is I spent a great amount of bad bandwidth for my entire upbringing up until they passed worrying about them. Worried about them constantly. Worried about their health. Worried that they were going to die early. Worried that there was going to be something that happened. And so, in a weird way, when it finally happened, I had been preparing my whole life for it. And the reality of it didn't end up being as bad as what I perceived the reality of it to have been. So, I've had a lot of weird um, not regret or remorse or guilt, but I'm almost surprised at how well I've weathered it given how much I fixated on it before right. it happened. So I'm wondering your experience. I mean obviously your dad was a huge figure in your life, role model, hero, friend, all these things and I know it's been very tough for you, but how have you found it? I mean you're you're 6 or 7 months <laughs> out now, so not that it gets better but you can kind of find a footing at a certain point. Yeah.
1: Well, it's it's interesting. I mean much like what you said, is the reality of the situation wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, right? You feel like you're just you can't live another day, right? Like it, I, I it mean, can't exist. Oh my god the the last the last six months of my dad's life were rough. My dad fought cancer for years, and it finally took him. And, and the last six months were really bad. Um, so we knew it was coming. Yeah, and so, we, you know, you're able to prepare for it. But to your point, that anxiety of the constant worry of, first of all, you don't want to see your dad in just chronic pain right. all the time and losing his memory and his legs swelling to the point where they burst open and bleed. And, and your poor mom is doing everything to take care of him. And, Or maybe she had
0: been more reliant upon him and maybe let him take the lead. Now she was kind of without a a doubt. Yeah. Without
1: a doubt. My mom cried me, you know, called me one time crying before my dad passed. And she said, Chucky, you know, your dad has made every decision for me for the last 60 years. Yeah. And now I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And you think about that for a second. And that's a terrifying terrifying. point in life. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because my parents are the guiding force for me. And uh-huh. while my dad was absolutely my North star um, and my dad was always that sense of calm and that, that, you know, guiding force to be able to get through anything. Uh-huh. You couple that with my mom it's and you, you, haven't, you haven't gotten to see my mom it. much, but my mom is one of the most positive people yeah. you'll ever meet. So it sounds very much similar to my parents. She's yeah. a three-time cancer survivor, Yeah, you know, and yeah. and now she lives by herself in a condo in downtown st pete yeah. and binge watches netflix like the rest of us yeah
0: very yeah. similar situation with our parents yeah. but luckily uh she's got your brother and your and your brother has right. her so that's
1: that's a positive that's absolutely how's positive. he weathered it? Is he done okay with it he's he's probably taken it the hardest you yeah. know he was the baby and with with him being in the wheelchair for the last you know shoot man, 10 plus years. Um, he spent a lot of time with my parents. Right. And, um, so the bond that he was able to create with my dad was, was really, really deep. And, um, you know, my dad literally took care of him. Yeah. And, uh, then you couple it with the fact that my brother was holding his hand when he passed and my brother was the only one in the room. Um, my brother's taking it really yeah, hard. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting too because you, you I used the I, I don't know when I started using this phrase, but it, I, I haven't found a better way to describe it, but you have a certain amount of attention that you can pay to life, right? right. You've got two girls, you've got your wife, you've got your business. Uh, so, you've got your parents, and when they're sick or ill, they might take up an inflated or an exaggerated portion of your day-to-day right. uh, consideration. And when that is removed from your life, what you do with that, uh, I've I found is interesting. Do you... Do you calm down? Do you replace it by now? I'm going to worry about this and not that. Like, <laughs> and that's something because you know I, I talked with my therapist a lot. She's like, you you've attributed so much of your soul to worrying about them. With them no longer here, what are you going to do with that space? Right. Are you going to do something positive with it? Or are you going to do something negative with it? Or are you going to? And I still don't know it. I, I guess maybe the podcast is part of what I'm doing with it. There but you go. It's therapeutic, but, uh, yeah. But um, it's just interesting, kind of the effects that you have. I mean, to, you know, I, I was orphaned not to be melodramatic, but orphaned at 44 right. years old. And, yeah. you know, it's a weird thing, you know, our, 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 uh, your cousin, my brother-in-law, AJ, he lost his father at a very young age. And I looked to him for comfort when I lost my parents because he had been through it already. And then, you know, but, but going through it as a 13 year old versus a 40 year old, it's gotta be considerably different.
1: Oh God, I can't even imagine.
0: So, um, with with the recruiting game, um, you've you've recently. I, guess, I don't know how how recently it is now, but you recently just moved companies, right? Correct. Yeah. So, give you a little bit of of history. Traded up pretty well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been great. So you know, I worked for Tech Systems. I took that break with the spa for about four years. Yeah. After the spa debacle and my brother's accident, I needed some stability back in my life, so yeah. I actually went back to Tech Systems. And they were phenomenal. They did great things for me and they taught me a lot. Um, and, and about, I'd say probably seven years ago. So yeah, exactly seven years ago, 2013, I actually left the agency recruiting game, which is what tech systems is. And I moved in-house to a software company uh, based out of Silicon Valley. At the time it was called Hortonworks and it was a pre-IPO startup. Um, did that for about six years. And then they got bought out the end of 2018. And so it gave me the opportunity to start looking around for a new job. And uh, cause I knew they weren't going to retain me with the, with the acquisition. And um, I found another startup, a new startup that's pre IPO in Silicon Valley called Kong. And I started with them in April of last year, April, ni- 2019.
0: And so, by all accounts, you
1: you're loving it. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, you know, has COVID affected it at all? Yeah, COVID has affected everything.
0: You know, um, I with, mean, less, less, less market, less need. Like, what's, what's well? There's the... no
1: less need for what we do, yeah. but as you can imagine, just fear yeah. alone in the marketplace makes, makes everything very conservative. It, yeah, very so kinda... we had some retraction. Yeah, when it comes to spend, sure. so sure, I would say Q2 was tough. Um, you know, from. Uh, March through April, it was hard to get a lot of things done. Right. Um, but the beauty is, is we're tied to some pretty key IT initiatives. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been able to weather it. Right. And we're coming out on the other side of it. And we're actually in a better position now right. than we were five months ago. Right. So it's really exciting. Um, we're still small. It's only a 170-person company. And uh, they've got the founders, as I would mentioned, two Two guys from Italy um, have some really big plans for the company. It's extremely well backed from a VC perspective, and um, there's no reason why this can't be a billion dollar software company in you know in a couple of years. So that's the fun part of it. So I do love it. Um, I love the software side of the house. I love recruiting. So often it's pretty rad too, and I do like going to SF. Um, I haven't been back out there since probably. December. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when, <laughs> when right. I'm going to be able to go back right. out there. Yeah. But uh, it is cool. And, and it was cool because when I worked for Hortonworks, they were they were Silicon Valley based, but they were out of San Jose. Right. And San Jose is completely different than, you know, that's like saying Pinellas Park versus is, South Tampa. Sure. you know. Yeah. So being an SF is fun. Um, again, it's a completely different way of life than what we have here in Tampa. Yeah. Um, but it's great. It's it's a entirely different perspective and, and it's fun so That's so cool. Um
0: now you were just in the Poconos, weren't you? Yes. And what was that you you guys have a place up there? Or do you go back and stay up there? What's what's the story with
1: the Poconos? That's a good question. So my dad is born and raised in Philly. Okay. And um my believe it or not my dad's family, so his great grandfather developed this lake uh-huh. up in Pennsylvania. And um they developed it's about It's a three and a half mile long lake. Right. And uh, they developed it in the early 1800s and actually then sold it to a developer who then developed this whole community around it. So, my dad has his uncle's house. I still speak to my dad being in the present. Uh, But we have my my dad's uncle's house right on the lake. Right. And it's been in the family since it was built in 1890. And um, with my dad passing… And then COVID hitting, the family hasn't been able to go up there. Right. And so we found out that there's been a mass exodus from New York and Philly up to the Poconos. So I went to my brother-in-law and and said, you know, we got to take advantage of this opportunity and see if we can rent the house out. Right. Because somebody might want to rent it from September through May. Yeah. You know, because their kids aren't going to go to school and they can work remotely. So we went out. And we cleaned out the whole house. As you can imagine, it literally had, you know, 90 years worth of stuff in it. And um, it was undertaking, but we got it ready to rent. We're going to put it on the market. We're going to try and rent it out. That's awesome. Um, So, yeah. So, it's a family home up there. So I went down the rabbit
0: hole last night. I don't know. I, I know you're not on social media as much as I am. But there was this uh, video that's come out in the past week of the uh, the White Coat Summit and all these the new doctors. And there was this uh, Stella Manuel lady who was talking about alien DNA and demon semen and all of a sudden you're familiar with the video. <laughs> no, though? I'm not you're, not. you're not familiar no. with this? So the new doctor that Trump is backing in this okay, group great. is this one lady and she's got all these weird – Kind of theories going back about alien DNA being used and people getting, I don't know, as venereal diseases by having sex with demons and all this. But she's she's the doctor that he's backing now as to why we don't need to be wearing face masks and how the hydroxychloride, blah, 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 blah. The fact like, that that's even
1: backing the conversation is
0: crazy. Well, it seems about every couple months, first it was the Plandemic video and then it was the two Cali doctors. And now it's, and it just seems to be like, you causing dissension or causing distraction or causing whatever. And um I just got into it. The, the big topic last night was censorship because I guess Facebook and so Don jr. Got suspended on Twitter for posting the video and then Zuckerberg po- pulled it off of uh, Facebook and, and uh, <laughs> s- some uh, friends of mine were like, so you support censorship? And I said, well, I don't support censorship, but I also don't support propaganda. Right. so, You know, I think people have a freedom of speech, but I also worry about some of these things now that have a greater reach with the public that look real, that look like they're backed by sound science and they persuade people to just do and say and vote and just do dumb shit. And it's. It, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating it's, it's very frustrating I had a friend of mine Who sells insurance Came in today And I was talking to him About what he's going to do With his kids And he goes, he goes I'm hoping Biden gets elected And then this all goes away and I, I was sitting there and I was like, I could take that a, a number of different right. ways. One is that you think Biden is going to fix the situation. Two is that you think that this is solely a political issue that's being dredged up and trumped up to make you know headlines to win an election and that once it's over, it's going to go away. Do you have any strong opinions or feelings about it that you care to express? Well.
1: I'll tell you, I try to stay off of social media sure. right now. Sure. Well, that's um, right. Forever would be right. Idea. Right. Except but for this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, to your point of um, censorship versus propaganda. And it's it's funny when you look at the irony of the fact that, that Trump has been bitching and moaning about fake news ever since before he was elected. Right. Which could be skewed as either or. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it's it's. Misinformation is what he's built his whole career on. right? And to me, what frustrates me is the fact that public health and safety is now ensconced in this political debate. Right. And it's being fueled by not a change agent, but a chaos agent. Yeah. And when I look at Trump and and the frustration I have with Trump is he's a chaos agent. Yeah. And and if things are going smoothly, it's not good for him. Yeah. So he needs to have chaos. He's got to get that base just rattling. He he gets his base fired up. And it's it's unfortunate because I've actually been, for the last couple of months, I've been debating on whether or not to take my one social media avenue, which is LinkedIn, because I'm a recruiter. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. And actually, write an open letter to Donald Trump and uh-huh. say, "Hey, you've got an opportunity to step up and be a leader. Right? Stop being an asshole. Well, that's be just did.
0: I mean, there's so many opportunities during his presidency right. that he could have just right crushed. I mean, he had his he had his uh, Independence Day moment twenty times over. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: and that's what frustrates yeah. me. And, and you know, every opportunity to come in and just run the run the table. And it's sad because you know, I've 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 been surrounded by leadership my entire life and and so I've 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 molded my idea on what strong leadership should look like. And while I had hoped when Trump took office that he was going to be able to step out of the bullshit, right. And I was hoping that the Twitter machine was just his way to get elected yeah. and that he was going to then right the ship. And I look at it now and he couldn't be further from a leader than anybody we've ever had in history. And that's what concerns me in all of us. And the fact that he's missing the opportunity to step back and say, you know what, enough bullshit. I have the power to bring everybody together and make something great happen. Yeah. Um, And he's not doing it. So, so
0: kind of changing
1: course before
0: we go, but I, I, I'm hoping that you've seen this, but you speak of uh, a, a great role model, role model for leadership. Did you watch the last dance? No, I did
1: not. Oh my God, were you ever a basketball? Oh guy? yeah, I, and I have to take the time to do it's it. It's on
0: Netflix now. I, I see Jordan in a whole, completely different light than I ever did, and it's good. It's a good one, but I, I just didn't even perceive of what went into him being who he was. I know. I can. And imagine. you talk about. Like he took a team, I, from Trump to Jordan. Um He took a team that was at its lowest fucking low right. when he got on the Bulls. It's just garbage team, and what he was able to do, not only with the assistance of management, but in spite of management, oftentimes, right. of management. was just insanity. And the there was almost this so. Uh, preternatural understanding of leadership and psychology and sociology and how to get the best out of people. And it wasn't even a uniform application. This person he knew he had to push. This person he knew he had to give space to, you right. know, Rodman says, I, I gotta, I gotta get away and says, can I go to Vegas for the weekend? They're like, okay. You know, Pippin and Horace Grant and uh, all these other people and like Steve Curry used to bully and Steve Curry punched right. him. And then they loved each other and right. all this other stuff. And I, that, that, that I'm, I'm almost done. I'm like on episode eight or nine that. That documentary needs to be shown in business school and management school and everything. That is such a blueprint for sociology, psychology, management, leadership. It just, just uh, It's blown me away. You definitely got to watch it.
1: Yeah, I've, I watched the first one, and I just – unfortunately, I can't find the time to sit down in front of the TV. I'm not way too, but too usually kids,
0: but. I get my kids down by about 10, and then that gives me about an hour before right. I pass out, so I'll get like one episode <laughs> in. But as you know, with Anna Maria – We've got our I- Irish Scotch skin so you can do longer on the beach than I can. I get about an hour out there and I'm like I got to go yeah. inside and so I'll watch it on my phone while all the girls and everything play on, on the beach. I know you just popped up really quickly from the beach and you're going back down tonight or tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. It was great having you in. You're a you're an amazing individual. You're one of my heroes. You're a great man. I think you you make your father proud every day and you're you're the you're the man of the household now, so I wish
1: you well. I appreciate that. All right, thank Chuckie. you, Josh. Yeah, you. I love your brother. I right, love you too.